So at half time, my whole half time team, team talk was about the number 10. <laughs> Don't let him, he comes off, pass him on. Ronnie, you know, um, talk to the midfield, talk to Smithy, pass him on. You know, if he's left, he's right, he's coming in. If he turns and faces uh, back line, he'll. It was all about that, that the tactics brought out. And then we walked out and Carl Emerson came in and he said, Gaffer, they've took him off. Hello and welcome to the First Half Pod. And uh, today, it's myself, Sam Stevens. I've got Stuart Armour alongside me. Actually, he's not quite alongside me, he's sort of opposite. Yeah. Which is probably the best place for him, to be honest. Well, get a bit too, yeah, get a bit too close otherwise, it's a bit uncomfortable when you sit next to me. Do you not like me sitting next no. to you? No. Oh. I don't like you touching me, I don't like you sitting next to me. I don't like you doing any of those things, to be honest. I can just about tolerate seeing you from a distance. I can throw a pen at you. Oh, that's very kind, isn't it? It's charming. Yeah. Uh, this week, <laughs> we're talking about uh, cup competitions. Oh, and we- cup competition. Stop interrupting me. And Sorry. whether or not we think that they are any good and whether or not we think that they have a place in the pantheon of footballing uh, fixtures and calendars and all that sort of stuff. So um, I think we should start by talking about, if it's all right with you, Stuart, we've got to, actually we've got a special guest joining us this week, haven't we? Yes, Paul Buckle. Yes. Cup, cup, cup extraordinaire. Yes, cup yeah. legend, yeah. Uh, masterminded a few cup shocks in his time, including when he was at Luton Town and they saw off uh, Premier League Norwich when they were a non-league team, did they not? Yes, and he's also been a part of a brutal underdog killing as well. Where yes. He, where he was a part of a bigger team, Colchester United. Right, okay. Yeah. So I think you'll find that's called a giant killing. That's what I meant. An underdog killing is sort of the opposite. <laughs> yeah. It doesn't really have a... It's not really a footballing phrase called an underdog no. killing. That's like any time that a big team beats a small team, which is sort of what usually happens, isn't it, really? That's we, convention. We can cut this from the edit, right? No. No. It's staying in now. Okay. Um, but we should talk about... Uh, what our thoughts are of cup competitions, really, shouldn't we, in general? I mean, there are two in this country, of course, the FA Cup and the, the League Cup, which has various different guises Whoa. over the years. What about the, you know, what is it, the LDV Papa John Saint Trophy? Yeah. That's a cup competition. Yeah. All right. Okay, yeah. fine. That's three. FA Vars. Right, that's four. FA Vase. That's, that's not the same, same one. You mean one. the FA Trophy? Trophy? Yeah, that's the one I meant. The Vars and the Bays, <laughs> the American version. No, no. They, uh... So there's more than two. Yeah, all right. Okay, well, I'm talking about in the uh, the the world. Actually, that's true because the. I mean, I'm not sure, to be honest, that you can really class the Papa John's Trophy as any kind of uh, reputable competition. Uh, most of the Premier League teams play their under-23s in it, if they're in it. Don't they? Well, they have to. That's their rule. Well, play under-23s. I mean, nonsense. It was, it was absolutely ludicrous when they brought that in. It should have just left it for the League 1 and League 2. I think so. I don't think you want to play, play, play against reserve teams. Really. It's no. a waste of time. Anyway, that's, uh, oh, I suppose we can talk about that as part of it. But generally speaking, where do you stand on... You've already said you love cup competitions, but where yeah. do you stand on having both cup competitions... Uh, or having two primary, shall we say then, because you've already listed there a few others, two primary cup competitions to play for if you're, for example, a Premier League or, you know, um, the top two divisions of the clubs in this country. Do you like having two cup competitions to play for? I'm all for it. And the reason I'm all for it is literally because you've got two chances of a trophy as well as the league, which I think is a a, a great thing to, to have. And the one thing I like about the two different the, the two different trophies is the FA Cup is literally everyone from Premier League all the way down to step nine. So you could be your I don't know 
from from my area. I think Broadbridge Heath, who which are like probably step eight or step nine in in the footballing world, and they could end up playing you know Chelsea in the Premier League Absolutely. if they got the, to the third round. And I think the magic of the the FA Cup, which is always a, a term that's batted around, especially when it gets to the kind of the nearer the first rounds, I think is a brilliant thing. And ultimately, having the League Cup, which is literally for the league the league teams yeah. the, you know the the 92 teams in the, in the the league conf, well, the league pyramid shall we That's say yeah. um i think it's also good because you're testing your wits against professionals because that's like a professional cup whereas the fa can have semi-professionals but i think ultimately fa cup great because you can have any anyone enter that competition league cup you know it's just the professional league and you know you you've got the professional teams battling out so um in a sense, the FA Cup, it, it, you know, it's all about the magic and, you know, who's got the best fitness. Because I have always said that if you play a game of football, it's not about how good you are because everyone's at the same level. It's just how you perform on the day. It's also about how fit you are. If you're, if you're not, if you can't run for 90 minutes, your team's not going to win. So for that, the FA Cup is great because you've got the magic of can the, the, the semi-pros keep up with the professionals. But then when you've got the professionals, it should... You, Anyone, as we saw with Bradford, you know, getting all the way to the final in in the League Cup against Swansea, you know, being Arsenal on the along the way, anyone can win that cup. So, where do you stand then on teams playing weakened sides, particularly bigger teams playing weakened sides in the early rounds in those cup competitions, in order to try and minimise, I suppose, fixture congestion and that sort of stuff? So, as a as a person who follows, um, like cruelly in the cup competitions i'm all for you know the bigger teams fielding a weaker team are you because that means they've got a great chance of actually getting through i mean i know like i said i I know i'm kind of contradicting myself a little bit where i said it's not all about skill but you know play crawley players could be intimidated by the likes of you know lukaku mudrick you know casado fernandez you know those players on the pitch and if you haven't got them on the pitch, they may not feel as intimidated and then and, and, and might actually think, oh, we've got a chance here. When they, they probably have got a chance if they've still got those players on the pitch. They've just got to believe in themselves, but they probably believe in themselves a bit more if it's a weakened team. Well, I also think that those players are better players, aren't they? You know? Again, I don't, see, I think everyone's good. No, I, I, I disagree with you about that. I mean, I think that obviously fitness is the big thing, but mm. touch and technique is is vastly different in the Premier League than it is in the non in National League. And, you know, you, you, I think you can see some good quality footballing teams and teams who play a good style, but you talk about pace and power and you talk about, you know, technical ability, being able to keep the ball, you know, passing range, all that sort of stuff. I don't, I don't think you see the same... You know the, the players who are at the very top, the first team of the first, the first teamers of the of the sort of big teams. I think they're all in a completely different league. I mean, you only have to see when teams make vast numbers of changes that it does become a more level playing field. Mm. And you're right; it is often fitness. It's also consistency and and not having you know players who haven't really played together very much or don't play together very much. But equally, it's because the, the reason why the players are ahead of those those players is because they're better players. It's yeah. not because of fitness levels. Okay, it's because they they have yeah, but, a, they have a certain talent that the others don't have or, most of the time, unless they, they just fall out of favour. Or they just train better and have a bit more experience behind them. Yeah, it could be that as well. There, there are other reasons. Yeah, I agree. You and sometimes you've got a big squad and you just need to rotate whatever. But yeah. generally speaking, I think that, I think there is a huge 
golf in quality. But I think that any one team can beat another team on, on the day, you, which is a point that you have made to me before. And I think that is absolutely right. I think 11 players can beat any other 11 players. I think generally speaking, there's a reason why teams are top of the Premier League and there's a reason why teams are bottom of the Football League because yeah. of, of not just finances, but because of the quality and everything else as well. But on, on any given occasion... Uh, two teams playing against each other, it should theoretically be possible for either of those teams to win. There are, in terms of probability, there is a distinct possibility that the team who are higher up in the league and bet the better team, inverted commas, have you want to phrase better, are going to win. Yeah. But in the FA Cup and the other competitions, it doesn't always happen, does it? Which is no. why it's worth, you know, it's worth keeping. Uh, as a competition, I think just in general, not. I mean, the FA Cup. You can't, I don't think you could ever lose it because it's it's a, it is a special competition. I know that it's lost a bit of its luster over the last few years, but I think it's it's it still has got enough magical moments every year oh, where you've got to keep it. I think, haven't you? Yeah. I just I would like to see it given a bit more prestige. Personally, I don't know how you do that. There's often been talk about whether you give a Champions League place for the winner or whether you just. Mm up the prize money enough to make it a bit more. But if you look at the previous winners of it, it doesn't tend to be kind of Mickey Mouse outfits unless you look at kind of the, the freak year that Wigan won it. And that's no disrespect to them, but they're not like the league winners that year. In fact, they went down a bit, didn't they? Got renegated, yeah. um, but, you know, usually it's the, one of the big clubs that win it. So you can't say that the teams don't take it seriously. It tends to be the teams with the biggest squads that do win it. I just think it's the early round sometimes when, for example, I remember when Eddie Howe was at Bournemouth, I think even now at Newcastle, he might well change his strategy this year or... He might have changed it over last season when he was, you know, um, when he was in the FA Cup. I think they got knocked out by Sheffield Wednesday, actually. So maybe this point does stand. But he used to rest all of his eleven players for the FA Cup. You think that's not really taking it seriously, is it? I sort of think surely. I know that there's reasons, and you know, if you're a manager of a lower t- a team at the lower end of the Premier League, you're desperate to stay in the division. You don't want to risk any injuries. But I feel like why would the fans take it seriously? For those clubs, if you know your manager isn't taking you seriously, uh, one, yeah, I mean, yeah, why would you turn up? Like, um, I think um, there was a point made uh, in the media a couple of weeks ago when the, the, the League Cup was played, and attendances were so poor, and it was like, why, why, why would people want to attend if they're not seeing their best players on the pitch? And I kind of agree to that yeah. to an extent because at the end of the day. We're all there to be entertained. We're all there to watch our favourite players, you know, the best players in the team. And if they're not out there, then why why am I paying my 10 quid or 20 quid to go and watch Plymouth? I think, was it Plymouth Southampton? Yeah. Yeah. Why am I going to go and pay my 10 quid to watch Plymouth Southampton when Southampton don't even turn up with a team? Right. And I think the other point on that is that Mm. it's maybe the only time you can get to watch your team. If you're not a season Mm. ticket holder or a member or anything else or you don't live in the area, you might find that you can go to a cup game and the only so it's the only chance you get to go midweek, yeah. and you get to see the reserves. You know, brilliant. I mean, that's not really what you're looking for, is no. it? If you're a fan, so I think that I understand why managers do it, but I think from a fan's point of view, it, it does shortchange you a little bit. I think. Yeah, I mean, we were we were lucky a couple of years ago because we <laughs> signed up to be members for Brentford and went and watched Brentford Oldham. Uh, was it Oldham? Yeah. yeah, it was. And they they got hammered. Absolutely eight dismantled nil, didn't them. They? Yeah. But I mean, they had some great players out there. They, they did. I mean, they didn't have their full first team, but they had quite a few, you know, names that are still playing in the Premier League well, today. Well, I know Johan Wister played really well that yeah, day. He and he's did. now playing now that Ivan Tony's out. He's basically up front with them and Burma. Or um, yeah, and he's like tearing it up for Brentford. Yeah. So it looked that day. You sort of thought he's a proper player, you know. So and they had some decent players, like you say, who are out there. And I think that if you're playing a selection. Mm. of your first teamers that's all right yeah of course because yeah, you still don't getting, mind that 
you're still getting a bit of your talent. It's just when you make like so many changes, you don't barely even recognise anybody who's out there. You sort of think it's also is that really much of an achievement for the lower league club to knock out players that you never even heard yes. of? Do you think so? Yeah, because you're knocking out the name. You're not knocking out who's on the pitch, are you? If you think about, if you look at the scoreline, regardless of who's on the pitch, you see that Crawley won two nil against Fulham. Fulham, a Premier League team, Crawley, a League Two team. You don't, you, you've not seen the squads. All you know is that Crawley have beaten Premier League Fulham. Yeah, I suppose that's true. And I think when you when you look at it and you think there's a giant killing there, you still call it that, don't yeah. you? Know, so I think against Fulham reserves yeah. or anything like that. I just think it's just not quite the same. Like if if Crawley that day had knocked out Fulham's first team, you know that's a tremendous. You know how how fantastic they they put one over on the Giants. You know the West London rich kids. And they, <laughs> but actually, it wasn't. They just knocked out a team of Fulham players who couldn't really be bothered and or or weren't really part of the plans or weren't really good enough. You know, and that, that sounds a bit harsh. If any of those players who were playing that day are listening, I apologise. You're far better <laughs> players than I'll ever be, by the way, and Stewie as well. Just to put that out there. But what I'm saying is, we you kind of know that those players are not really part of the manager's yeah. plans. That's why they're playing. Yeah, no, so therefore, course. it's not quite the same, is it? If you knock mm. out a, a reserve team compared to knocking out the first team. But again, if you see it on paper, that's all I'm saying. If you see it on paper, it's not the team. It's the club. Yeah. So in, in that respect, if, if you were looking from America and you weren't really a huge football fan, or you were a football fan, but you just wanted to see the results, and you see that Crawley beat out Fulham, you go, who's Crawley? Yeah. You know, if you're an American person, you've just been in a Premier League team. I know who Fulham are, but I don't know who Crawley are. Fulham, yeah. So would you um, would you keep the League Cup as well, then? Yes. Oh, you would? I think the League Cup, like I said, is great because it's, it's all the professional teams. Yeah. And that's like a winner. That's the winner of the professional cup. Whereas the FA is a, the FA. You know, the whole organisation can, anyone can enter that. I like both of them because I think that it's good that you get one that basically ends before Christmas, pretty much. Yeah, because you're um, going to February is the final date. Yeah, and by the time you get to January, you get the basically the semi-finalists. Mm. Over, well, I like them being over two legs as well. I think that's really. I just think it's a nice sort of uniqueness that keeps. I think there aren't enough two-legged ties in football anymore, yeah. and it's quite just quite nice. I mean, some people say it's another game you don't need, but it adds a bit of distinctiveness to it doesn't it a bit of uniqueness to it in some ways so I like that and then as you say the finals usually February March time so that's out the way and then you've got the FA Cup in the second half of the year which I think works quite well I think that the problem and I like the, the other thing I like about the League Cup is that you don't have to play that many games in it mm. even to go quite far in it I think you only have to win about three games and all of a sudden you're in the semi-final it's not yeah. like the FA Cup where it's quite a bit more of a marathon isn't it especially for those teams that aren't in the top two divisions you've got to work your way through the first round, few rounds that's because that cup's a lot bigger than the, the League Cup absolutely so, because as you yeah. said there's loads more teams in it which is obviously important but I do think that the, the League Cup is the one that is most likely to suffer over the course of the future because just look at it now like the, the, the big European superpower idiotic teams the ones that have got all the money and and don't really care about anybody else. They're, they're, I mean, they're going to be asked to play all these games in the Club World Championship, the Champions yeah. League's getting extended, the FA Cup, you know, and already we're seeing, we've seen so many, and I know this this dates the podcast a little bit, so apologies, folks, for that, but there's so many players that have gone down already two games in with, like, season-long injuries. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And you sort of think, the, the answer to that is not playing more games, is it? No. And I know that you're going to say, well, hold on, you just said that they play their reserves in the League Cup. Well, yeah, that's true. So maybe, but <laughs> then but, one of them are going to have to step up into the, the the bigger team. So but yeah. Also, that means that, as you say, that player now gets a chance to play because the other player at the first mm. team is injured. So 
I don't know. I, I feel like it, it may well suffer over time because of the fact that there are like, something's got to give when it comes to games and they might say that they can lose it. I don't want to see either of the cup competitions go, no, to be honest. I'd almost rather there were fewer games in Europe, to be honest. I don't think that there's... I don't think it adds a, a, a... I think less is more when it comes to prestige, personally. I think they should make the Champions League. I know we're kind of going off the tan- tangent a little bit, but the Champions League should be for the champions yeah. and possibly the runners-up of the, of, of, of the countries. Yeah. That's what it should be. Yeah. And then the rest are then fighting for UEFA, Europa League and pre- the, the actual They'll, they'll never do that because anymore because of the, the money in the Champions League. But I completely agree with you because I also think if you had third, fourth, let's say, playing in the Europa League, that competition is then massively valued. Mm. Because you, you're going to have giants playing in that competition every year. And then you, the, the, what they call the Mickey Mouse one, the Conference League, that will be elevated as well because then you've got maybe fifth and sixth playing in that next mm-hmm. year or, the, or the, the year that you bring it in. So at the moment where everyone's saying, oh, you haven't heard half the teams in the Conference League, well, that could soon change if you're talking about instead of teams in the top four in the major leagues going into the Champions League, mm-hmm. if it was just the top two yeah. or the top one, yeah. and then everybody below it, it sort of trickles down a little bit, then all of a sudden it becomes a bit more prestigious again. It's not, you're not rewarding failure, which no. you're basically doing at the moment, aren't you? Chelsea won the Champions League in 2021. They wouldn't win the league. Right. You know? You really shouldn't almost have that luxury, should you? I agree. I um, think unless you finish first or second, you shouldn't be in that competition. Yeah, right. So, uh, well, we, t- we tend to sometimes have differing p- viewpoints on this, but I think we broadly agree <laughs> yeah, we do, a little bit. that the cup competition should stay. Yeah. Whether they stay in exactly the same form, I don't know. I didn't even really like it when they lost cup replays, to be honest, because I quite like the idea that... A- a massive club can be stunned by a by a minnow mm. and have to be re- replay them either away or at home, you know, because they didn't quite get a result first time round. It's another chance for the to get a bit of revenue for that club and all yeah. the rest of it. But they've sort of lost those, and I do think that they'll all, you know, replays will probably die a death yeah. altogether at some stage, won't they? Unfortunately, and, and probably extra time will go as well. It'll just go straight to penalties, like they do in the League Cup. It'll it'll do it in the same with the the FA Cup. It'll just be straight to penalties. Yeah, that's the other thing they'll probably because I think sometimes I think the extra time is just a bit of a waste of time mm. and, and too much, uh, you know, high intensity work for the players in terms of that extra sort of danger zone when it comes to picking up injuries and that sort of stuff so there are things they will probably do to trim our enjoyment and trim the fat out of these competitions but I do hope they don't go because it's not just because they're institutions it's also there aren't many trophies you can win there aren't many chances to play against lower league teams realistically and actually as much as it's terrifying if your team's involved in a game against a lower league team and you support a big club because all you really want to do is get through it I think, and you don't even really care how. You just don't want to be knocked out by a minnow. Yeah. But at the same time, I think that it's uh, you still want to keep the the idea alive. That's it's part of the fun of being a football fan, isn't it? That you mm-hmm. could potentially get draw a you know like we drew with Exeter back in the day, or we've we've drawn with Burton Cra- Albion. I think we drew Crawley as well. Yeah, Crawley. Yeah, yeah we narrowly beat Crawley. Yeah. I think uh, at, at Old Trafford. Old Trafford. In fact, you had a replay, didn't you? No, well, I no, think no. it was a, no, a one-nil one win, and it was almost. And they hit the bar. I think. Yeah, oh, almost, almost a replay. <laughs> so those are the games they give you. The, they give you shock value, but I think they're worth having. You know, I 100%. do, and I think that without them, I, I, I think that the English football becomes significantly less prestigious. Now, before we get Paul Buckle on, uh, we want to hear your views. What do you think? Do we should we scrap the League Cup or the FA Cup? Get, get in contact at and the if first we half do, pod. Yeah, and if we if we were to, what do we? What where do you fill the gap or do you not fill the gap? Do you just leave it and say no? We want more European fixtures or. You know, we want to cut down even the number of Premier League games, for yeah. example. Like, where do you stand on it? What, what's the yeah. purpose of... If you want to get rid of a cup competition... Tell us why. Tell us why, yeah. yeah. 
so at the first half pod, and uh, I think we'll, uh, we'll we'll bring in Paul Buckle, and uh, we'll, we'll see what he has to say. Yes. He's a bit of a non-league legend. He's played for Brentford, Torquay, Exeter and Colchester, just to name a few of his teams, as well as managing Torquay and Luton Town. It is Paul Buckle. Paul, thank you so much for joining us. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thanks for having me, chaps. So we're talking about cup competitions on the episode of the First Half Pod and we're basically... There's a lot age-old debate here in England about should we scrap, you know, the League Cup because of the, the too many fixtures in in the uh, footballing calendar. And for me personally, I think the league, the, the, the cups, the FA Cup especially, because you get the lower, you know, the non-league teams. I think it starts at stage nine in the footballing calendar, and um, I think it's a great way for for clubs that you may not expect to see. In a, in a cup competition, do well. You know, for instance, um, Crawley Town have done well in the past. I mean, I, I I regularly go to the Crawley Cup games. They've had some great cup one uh, runs. They beat Leeds, I think, in the third round of the FA Cup um, uh, in it during COVID at home with no supporters. And I think it was a very strong Leeds side at the same time. And again, they last season they played Fulham and beat them two 0 So for me, I always think the magic of the cup is brilliant. But what we want to find out from you, because I, I know you you played down in the lower leagues, plus also managed down there, is kind of what your experiences of the cups are, and maybe as a player, first off, what do you prioritise? Do you prioritise the league or do you prioritise the cup? Well, starting with Crawley, yeah, um, knocked my Torquay team out in 2011 and drew Manchester United. So imagine, imagine that. Um, the, 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 F, the FA Cup and the League Cup have been good to me, especially the FA Cup as a manager, um, where you get an opportunity. If you've got a League Two team or a conference team or even League One or Championship, you get a chance to go and compete with the best Um in my experience, uh, when you you know you wait for the draw, you, you you try and get to that third round of the FA Cup when all the Premier League clubs come in, and everybody waits for that draw, that number to come out. And it when you get it, when you get the big club, the whole it's a whole different picture for that club, for that League Two club. Um, you know the finance involved, so the directors are delighted. The players get an opportunity to go and play at a great stadium. Um, the money is is everything. I mean, the money in the FA Cup is is uh, is phenomenal when you get through the rounds. You know, the prize money and the gate money, TV money. So it's huge, and it really does lift the spirits of that town or city that you're actually part of the club, whether you're, you're a fan or you're, you're a member of staff or um, a player. So there's so many parts to it, and these competitions are ingrained in our football culture. I, I don't want to see see them go. I don't subscribe to too many games at all as, as a player. I played 20 years. You know, we don't want to bore everybody with that. But, you know, you just wanted to play games and none more than those, those big games, um, you know, because it's exciting and it's a challenge. And, even, and if you get a lower league team, like I think I mentioned once when I was at Colchester, um, I forget it was League One or League Two. We drew Bedlam and Terriers, and I'd had some good experiences in the cup, but that weren't one that day. <clears throat> the pitch was horrific. The the ground was tiny. They did everything in their power to to to, to get it in their favour, and they beat us. And um, 
that was a humble experience and a long drive back from the northeast after that and one I'll remember forever for the wrong reasons. But no, it's a it's an incredible uh they're incredible competitions and especially the FA Cup throws up major upsets every single season. So they're exciting and they um they serve a lot of purposes. Paul, do you think that there that we are a little bit of a maybe a kind of tipping point with the with the cup competitions, whether it's the FA Cup or the League Cup or both, in the terms of, I think sometimes fans now are going along to games expecting that if they're watching a lower league team playing a, a higher division team, that at least one of those two teams, and you don't have to, I don't have to name which one, is probably <laughs> going to be playing fringe players and players that are probably not going to be part of the first team plans or younger players who have got limited experience. Do you think that that is problematic when it comes to trying to sell the FA Cup to fans from a club's point of view? I don't think it's problematic to 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 the, the lower league teams because they've got an opportunity to go further, you know, to get another experience and more money and uh, get that buzz around the town again. And I think I think in a way, if I'm if I'm the manager of the time, you know, Torquay, Luton, Bristol Rovers, whatever it is, and someone goes and puts out their second string or third string now because there's so many players in Premier League squads, you sort of think they've been a bit disrespectful, not only to the competition, but to us. So when you dig deeper down in the players, you know, I work with the 23s at Southampton. Don't get me wrong, they're excellent players, but they're not hardened to three points, the majority of them, what it means for three points and certainly what it means to go through in a cup competition. So they can be caught short, and a lot of times they are. Um, but as you get through the rounds, they don't seem to play the, you know, you get to semi-final and final. They don't see too many kids playing then, do you? Mm-hmm. When it's at Wembley. Paul, um, you were talking about when you had when you got knocked out in the FA Cup by a, a lower league team. Uh, you went there and they made it challenging for you. What? What's what's the thought process playing in a game like that? So you're up against well, you, you're the heavy favourites. I'd I'd imagine for that game, you're going into it. I know you're playing away from home. It's in a different, well, let's just say non-league grounds aren't the greatest. Um, you're not you're not on a Is that pitch. Breaking that, news. Yeah, breaking news. You're not used to a pitch that you you play on week on week out, or maybe you are, depending on the the, the time of the, the the year, maybe. But what what what's going through your mind when you're playing that game and, and things aren't going your way? Well, I mean, prior to it, you have to you've got to be so professional. I mean, the manager Steve Wignall at the time in this in this case, because I mean, Bedlam Terrors have a way blast in the league. And it shouldn't have happened, but it always does, doesn't it? But we were told what to expect. The manager had done his homework. We didn't take it lightly. We were a good side at Colchester. You know, that team I was in, we won promotion. You know, we'd done good things. So I sort of felt confident going into that game. I certainly weren't going to, you know, um, take it lightly. It wasn't in my nature to do that. And I trusted the lads. But I think the levels that they found, because a lot of those players that are in non-league, they're not, that far off, you know, mm-hmm. technically, and something's probably gone wrong in their career or they've had some bad luck. But on a one-off game, if they play to their best, and you've heard it a lot of times, say, well, you know, we'll need to play at our best and then have an off day. It's so true. And I think that happened that day. And we, I mean, the pitch definitely played a part. 
I mean, they knew. <laughs> I remember thinking, I mean, I couldn't pick it probably over 10 yards. I mean, I never passed it much over 10 yards anyway as a player, but they seemed to be able to put it right in behind us. Pitch was awful. And now it's a race. And I remember Carl Emerson, the keeper, I think he, he, he came out and I was like, oh no, like he's never going to make it. And he didn't know whether Green, Big Green, he was going to pass it back to him. And it was just, they were on it. Went round in goal, the place erupted. Then the fear comes in, you see. Mm. The embarrassment and the fear. And you start to get desperate. And they're the feelings. And, you know, we've got one hell of a telling off half time. <laughs> but once it's slipping in them games, you're in trouble. You're, you're in trouble because, you know, the opposition coaches probably said, you know, let's get them to half time. Let's, but, you know, put some doubt in their mind. And on this occasion, they really did. And they, they played their game so well and we just couldn't we just couldn't find it. And it was it was like a literally like a morgue after. And when when you're in them situations and a lot of pros will probably tell you the same, you've just sometimes got to look after your own job. Because there's gonna be an inquest after, right? And if you haven't put your head in where it hurts and you haven't got stuck in and you haven't rolled your sleeves up, especially in that type of game in February poor Moraine in Newcastle, um, at least you can sit or stand up and say, well, I've you know, done my job. Because mm-hmm. it does come down to that. It comes down to individual battles. It comes down to winning, you know, starting the game right, making sure the warm-up's right. And if you don't, you're going to come unstuck. And we did. So when it... <laughs> What what happened at the final whistle when you got into the change room? Did the did the manager just sit down and, and absolutely tear one apart, or was it? I mean, you said it was like a morgue, so was it just complete silence <laughs> until until you got on the coach? I mean, what what happens at full time? Well, oh, I remember like coming off. I couldn't even see my feet. I literally could. I'm not exaggerating. You couldn't. It was like a bog. Oof. And I, I mean, I think I was hoping the ref was going to call it off. But he'd have got lynched. Referee wouldn't have got out of Newcastle. He'd have <laughs> called that off in the second half. And there was a rope around the pitch, I think. Either a rope or a metal bar, you know, like. And I thought, you know, which way do we go? Where do we go? The, the, all the fans come on pitch. And um, I shared this, actually, I think, in Talk Sport. One of them, um, I'm not going to do a Geordie accent. My, my wife, Rebecca, has that in the bag, that, them accents. But he said to me, you know where Bedlam is now, son, don't you? <laughs> right, I'm close. And I thought, yeah, I do. I absolutely know where Bedlam is now. And um, what a name, Bedlam Terriers. I don't even know if they're still playing. But, um, yeah, we just, it was like, oh, my God, here we go. So you're a man who's managed uh, a team who's been on the on the on the the right end of a giant killing. Um, when you were Luton manager, you managed to beat Norwich, who were I think a Premier League team at the time while you were in non-league. Um, that was a remarkable achievement, really, to win against the Premier League team away from home in the FA Cup, and you know the magic of the cup and all that sort of stuff. What do you think is the secret to masterminding a giant killing like that, or is it just it's just a bit of luck, really? <laughs> Hmm. Uh, it's a good question. I think managers do it differently. I had a lot of experience in the cup and a lot of, I'll say, luck. But no, I mean, I don't think it could be luck if you if you do it a few times. And I had four great years of FA Cup runs with Torquay. You always got a week. In the FA Cup, you always got a week to prepare, which I loved. Because in the league, you know, you play Saturday, Tuesday. So that always gave, I always 
trusted the work we were going to do and look at the opposition and very thorough. So we took it very seriously. I, I always added something, a bit of fun in there. I always added a, a day out or something with the players, um, which I believed in massively. I did that a lot. And, and we had a lot of success at Torquay. Every year, it was like third and fourth round we got to. Um, and it created a really good buzz. So um, you come away from the league, um, the league uh, challenges, and you, you get this FA Cup, and you can really relish it. And that's that's what we did. But the organisation of it, the Luton one, was a big one because you can't. I don't. I don't think you can survive on just luck. And we'd beaten we'd beaten Wolves at home, um, in, in front of a packed Kenilworth Road, and. Uh, I, I remember before the game, actually, I was very confident in the preparation that we'd had. It was going to be, you know, 4-4-1-1, four, four, one, one, two banks of four, one in the space and one up high. And we we, we knew our jobs. And we beat Wolves 1-0. And I could build on that then, guys. I could say to the players, look, we've done it. We've beaten it. they just come out of the Premier League the season before. So with Premier League players. And then when that come out of the hat, I suppose you look at Norwich and you say, well, it's not, with all due respect to Norwich, it's not Arsenal, Tottenham, Chelsea away, is it, Man United? We went there, it was 30,000 in the stadium, and I, I felt confident. I felt we could do something, but the plan was definitely to not allow them a goal in the first half, and I felt the fans would get fidgety. I knew, I knew uh, Mark Tyler, our goalie, would have to have a great game, and he did. And there was a clear plan in the second half to bring on three subs and try to really hit them on the counter-attack, which which panned out, but yeah, Harry Kane played in that game. Um, I uh, wow, I didn't actually know him as Harry. Kane. I didn't know him as Harry Kane then because I, I think Harry read that was was at Tottenham. Kane was on loan. I'd always tried to get Harry Kane, and, and they had a lot of good young players at that time on on loan, so I knew they were decent. But yeah, Kane hadn't been playing in the league games, and they dropped Holt and played Kane and it sort of threw me a bit because I didn't know much about him but um, Holt I did because they were going to go they would go up to Holt you know with one ball which we were sort of used to I was used to that that was something we could coach you know protect behind protect in front um, stop crosses with him but with Kane it was completely different and I've got to tell you I couldn't I just couldn't get the message on in the game because he was it was so loud and he was wandering into spaces. He was, and, and I watched it back a few times. He was unbelievable, but he just completely went under the radar, I think. And, and at half time, it caused us so many problems where he was coming off in that, you know, we see it all the time now. He comes off and turns and sprays it or Fred's, Fred, you know, another pass through. Um, I didn't, I didn't want my centre backs following him for obvious reasons, to leave, you know, 1v1 in behind with Jackson or wherever it was they had up front. So it was a case of communicating from the back to the midfield to pass him on, and um, that weren't going too well. <laughs> so at half-time, my whole half-time te team talk was about the number 10. Don't <laughs> let him, he comes off, pass him on, Ronnie, you know, um, talk to the midfield, talk to Smithy, pass him on. You know, if he's left, he's right, he's coming in. If he turns and faces our back line, he'll it was all about that, the, the tactics brought out. And then we walked out and Carl Emerson came in and he said, Gaffer, they've took him off. <laughs> and I was, well, I, 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 was, 
one I was thinking relief and they were putting Holt on and when I gotta say it I mean he, of course he fancied it but it didn't look like he fancied it because he's been sitting there freezing cold <laughs> you know rested and now he's got to go on and do it think about that you know um probably not come on from the bench at all that year with Norwich so I, I ended up shouting all the lads to get them back in back to the original plan <laughs> coming on you know you know back to what we were doing all week in training and yeah we survived it we um they had some they got to our goal a few times of course they did but we um we were nil nil and the crowd was starting and it was becoming a bit predictable what they were doing and with 10 minutes to go we got the goal i mean i made subs on 15 i think it was rendell uh fleetwood and jj o'connell and um they played a big ball up, actually. They got desperate. They pushed players forward at nil-nil and they played a big ball up and our centre-back come and come through it like centre-backs do in the conference and <laughs> headed it further than I can kick it. And um, <laughs> we got it down, got it wide. JJ, Scott made the... I think Stuart played a great ball through to JJ on the left and um, the, the, the cross was perfect. The timing of the run, Rendell was good at that. And we scored, and our 5,000 fans that were unbelievable. I mean, Luton fans, I think everybody knows, incredible way support we had erupted. I couldn't believe it when it hit the back of the net. <laughs> I, I, I sat back. I first said, who got it? Because <laughs> I think I was just looking at our defenders, making sure we were marking, because I weren't confident that we'd keep the ball. Um, you know, we might get countered. So when they said it's Rendell, I sat down, and then... Um, uh, uh, I think it was um, Alan Nilsson. And then, of course, the panic set in now. We're one like, what are we going to do? They're going, oh, let's go five, let's go, you know, shall we change what are we going to do? And it was, a, you know, mayhem. And I said, just pray now for 10 minutes because they're going to they're gonna come at us like never before. <laughs> and they did. And we held out. We had a late, they had a late penalty shout near the end. You could have given it, hit, sort of hit the hand. It wasn't going in or going to anybody. And um, yeah, when I saw the whistle going into his mouth, oh, we've, gone, we've, we've gone and done it. So it was an amazing experience and yeah, one to remember. Paul, I just want to say uh, thank you so much for coming on. Thanks talk- very much, Paul. Brilliant. Talking, um, you know, cups with us and, uh, you know, we'd love to get you on because, I mean, there's probably so many stories we haven't even touched the surface with you that we could probably pick your brains about. Yeah, there's there's plenty in a 30-year career, lads. You'd have to give me a bit of notice, but I so, I'm sure I can dig some up. But thank you very much for having me, and good luck with the pod. Paul Buckle there. Paul Buckle, yeah, wow. Legendary manager yeah, with what, legendary stories, do, eh? do, do you know what? That's a great insight to kind of proper management. Isn't nothing, it? Nothing like yeah. kind of the fancy stuff of the Premier League. It's kind of what, what, what the, the kind of what it is to experience as a player yeah down in the uh the, the the lower leagues plus also you know getting knocked out by a, a, a nobody team in newcastle on a rainy day in a boggy pitch to um to uh managing a team knocking out a premier league team from from a a non-league perspective i think i agree with paul with in the spec with the respect that you know any any team could beat any player on a day and like i said uh, it, to paul as well i think it just comes down to fitness Rather than the the team you're playing, I mean, obviously, if you've got you've got your Ronaldo's, your Messi's all in one team, might be a little bit tricky for an opponent. You might get a bit overwhelmed by that, I guess. But I think that if you if you're going out to do a job and play a game of football and, you, and you're good enough and you're the best of your ability, you could beat anyone on your day. Yeah, I mean, I think that's it, isn't it? That's ultimately why it's the most popular game in the world, really. Yeah. I think because 
anyone should be theoretically able to be anyone on any given day. And I think we see it more often than not in the FA Cup, don't we? We do see there's always a few giant killings in the early rounds of the tournament, which shouldn't really happen because theoretically the better team, even if they are resting a few players, should always win. But it just doesn't work like that. And that's, it's, that's I suppose, why people are... are, are that's why the Cup competition has lasted as long as it has and why people are so enamoured with the idea of, of, you know, what anything can happen at the start of any game. Final thought before, before we go is... Um, <laughs> your team's playing a, a a lower league team do you do you have that kind of kind of thought or feeling that do you know what I wouldn't mind losing to these guys I like the underdog story I, I kind of wouldn't mind seeing them win or are you literally no I just want my team to win never and in fact it goes the opposite way I'm always thinking I hope they crush them like a bug really yeah because as much as I know that I'm going to come across as an absolute footballing snob now and yep. I realise that I have got you know, if, for example, if it was against someone like Bath City, who are my sort of local club, who I have a bit of a soft spot for, more than a soft spot for, then obviously it would be different because I have an affinity towards them. But generally speaking, I sort of think to myself, who do these upstarts think they are? <laughs> Rocking up. And I remember there's been times in the past where United have drawn, I think it was might have been with, even with Paul's team, Exeter, nil-nil. Um, 2005, thinking, oh, blimey. You just, I think you dread playing those matches as a fan of a club, to be honest, of a bigger club playing a smaller club. You, you dread them because you think there's no way you, anything good can come of this. It's either they're going to be a comfortable win that's expected yep. or the worst that can happen, which is you get knocked out or you get taken to a replay and it's just, it just ends up being an absolute disaster. That's if, However, if I'm watching it on another perspective, yep. watching a bigger club against a smaller club, smaller club every time, okay. without fail, obviously. So, so Bath City, Manchester United, Manchester United all the way. Well, I'll take a replay. <laughs> you take a replay, but you still want Man United to come out on top at the end of, of the course, replay. Of course, but that's you know, we, you know, it's it's going to be you're going to support your own club, aren't you? But yeah, I mean, if Bath City was playing anybody else, I'd be following Bath City. But yeah, if it's against United, I'd say I'd, I'd want United to go through. But I hope it would be at least a competitive affair, shall we say? What about you? How do you feel about it as a Chelsea fan? Ch- oh, see, that's a or hard... a Crawley fan that, or that, an Air fan. <laughs> that's a, that, that is actually quite a difficult one because, of course, I want to see Chelsea do well. I want them to to, to win the FA Cup or the cup that they're in. Um, no, nah, I think I think I'm literally for it. If if if, che- if if Chelsea are playing a low league team, I want that Chelsea team to beat that low league team. Yeah, I don't of course. Care. I don't. I don't, th- I don't think I have any kind of romance in that sense. Do you think there are any fans out there who are, have got that romance about it and think, well, if we get knocked out by the underdog, you know, good on them? Do you think there are fans, people that are fans think like that of your own club? Probably not. No. Well, we could put it out there to people. Yeah. At the first half pod, tweeters. Would you be? Would you not be upset if your team lost to an underdog? Yeah, that's the question. Yeah, would you, yeah. Would, so, if your team third round of the FA Cup, it's your. Would you rather get knocked big, out by an underdog or get knocked out by a bigger team? A bigger team. Oh, that's a great question. That, that's the question. Would you rather have your team get beat by a bi- uh, a team of similar or bigger capacity or or stature? Yeah. Or would you get rather get knocked out by somebody from a division or two below? Yeah. First half pod. Get your uh, responses in, and we'll, we'll maybe discuss that in next week's podcast and uh, kind of get your answers on there and share them with the, with the world so uh, yeah thank you for listening to this uh, first half pod first I think this is our first episode as well that's actually going to see the light of day yeah um, so be good to hear what your responses are what, what do you want to hear from us as well what, what topics do you want us to discuss it won't always be with guests but we thought we'd just get Paul Buckle in for the first one and, and see how it goes and uh, I very much enjoyed having Paul on the show 
Oh yeah, absolutely. Great yeah. to have his insight. I mean, you know, it's 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 always good to hear from proper football people, and not just us mugs who sort of you know think we have opinions on things, but actually don't really know what we're talking about. It's nice to hear from somebody who actually does know what he's talking about. Exactly. So uh, we'll see you on the next episode of the first half pod. <laughs>